This episode of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast is brought to you by me, Philip Morgan. I have a book. It's called The Positioning Manual for Technical Firms. And if you buy the second most expensive version of this book, the complete bundle, you'll get a bunch of additional content. One of those pieces of additional content is the Market Research Handbook. Part of making the transition from a generalist to a specialist is having evidence that the, the way in which you th think you can specialize is going to be met with acceptance and um, profit and lots of interested leads when you move into that specialization. The best way to know that that's going to happen is for it to, well, the honestly, the best way is for it to already be happening. The second best way for that, for you to know that that's going to happen is to do enough effective market research that you have a sufficient confidence that when you start to move into the specialization that it's going to be met with strong demand in the marketplace. The Market Research Handbook in the complete bundle of the Positioning Manual will help you do that. Check it out today at thepositioningmanual.com. Today I'm joined by my special guest on this podcast, my neighbor's weed eater. Sorry if you're hearing that in the background. <laughs> it's not much I can do about it. I am um, pretty sure I'm going to regret uh, this episode, but my desire to help the people that I'm here to help, those generalists who are uh, wanting to make that transition into specialists, my desire to help you knows very few limits. And so I'm going to do something that I may very well regret today. I'm trying to come up with uh, names for this type of episode because it may be a recurring thing. Uh, right now, the contenders are the shitty tape files, uh, insecurity corner, or the imposter syndrome files. Not quite sure which one I'm going to go with, but those are all in the running. <laughs> also joined by my special guest, my barking dog. Um, a couple days ago, I was getting ready to take a shower and just had a moment to think through and sort of process what I was feeling about a potential new thing that I'm going to try in my business. And um, I just turned on the recorder on my phone and sort of put, uh, recorded the thoughts that I was having, the feelings that I was having, or try, tried to articulate the feelings that I was having so that... Those of you that might be feeling something similar about the prospect of specializing your business would know that you're not alone. That's why I did this. Um, and I'm going to play that clip for you. And then I'm going to come back after it's about a three and a half minute clip, I think. And then come back and just kind of uh, talk a little more about why I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, this shit is not easy, that it brings up some kind of scary emotions. And so here we go. So I'm waiting for the shower to warm up here and just had a moment to think. And I, I realize I'm, what I'm feeling is, I think, what a lot of folks who are on the cusp of specializing feel. I'm thinking, in, in my case, I'm thinking about this idea that I have for this service, which I would... Yeah, I'm, the working title for which is uh, Specialization School. Uh, 
it's I mean I call it a service, but really it's a sort of I mean it's it's a it's a big uh, ambitious idea. I mean the idea is uh, I guess if I ever share this outside of um, my own phone here, the idea is it it, it would be a, a program a very structured program for generalist self-employed software developers who want to specialize but don't know how and. I alternate between sort of incredible enthusiasm for the idea and uh, and then what I'm feeling now, which is a sense of like, it's not shame exactly, but the kind of shitty tapes that I hear in my head are like, oh, that's dumb. That's just, uh, it, it's dumb or it's audacious or it's... Um, it's just not going to work. Like I, I won't be able to market it effectively, even though I believe in the value proposition. These, these are the kind of again the shitty tape type thoughts that I have. Um, <laughs> that that's a phrase I use for um, negative self talk is shitty tapes. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to put it down because or I just wanted to record this moment because I know that that I'm not alone. I, I feel certain that people who could really go all the way to being some kind of world-class expert with incredibly valuable expertise or some sort of, uh, you know, very focused specialist of some kind, I know that they have these feelings. I mean, there's, there's that subset, of course, who are just uh, somehow born with Un- unshakable confidence in themselves, and uh, I do sometimes envy those people. I'm not one of them. I uh, and, and I know I'm not alone in being not one of those people. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'll probably have the shower and just feel much better about the idea. But again, right now, it's like somebody turned, you know, painted a filter over my perception of the whole thing and it just seems like a fool's errand it seems like a dumb idea it seems guaranteed to fail and um, and you know there's just a, a part of me that knows that that's not true but that part is the minority right now in my in how I'm feeling and thinking about this whole thing so there you go <laughs> Uh, something from the shitty tapes files to let you know that you're you're not alone if if you have those kinds of thoughts and feelings. One of the things that I always emphasize in my work with people who are moving into specialization is you've got to have evidence, and I use that word evidence very specifically because I think it's just the perfect word for what you're looking for. Like, I, I guess I could say um, data, you know, the data might be pretty similar or uh, proof might be another word that would be similar. But there's something about that word evidence because of how it evokes the idea of a, of a trial, of a, you know, like a, a trial in a court where, um, you know, the consequences of what happens as a result of that trial are potentially very significant. 
And that's, that's very much how it feels when you're a generalist and you're making this decision in the course of your business to specialize. The consequences of that decision feel huge. And, yeah, you know, I think in reality we, we sort of overestimate the negative consequences and, and potentially underestimate the positive consequences, actually, for this decision. But still, I know how it feels, and it feels like, you know, it, it's like it's going to affect the rest of your life. Just the way if, if you were the defendant in a, in a criminal trial, you better believe that, the, you know, the outcome of that is going to affect the rest of your life. Um, so it, it has that feeling of like, wow, this is serious stuff. And that actually I think is why I gravitate toward using the word evidence is because of the connotations and the associations with um, essentially a criminal trial. It, it feels like, um, so that, so in a, you know, in a trial, the evidence is important. <clears throat> Hopefully that's, that's the basis on which the, uh, the verdict is, is reached is based on the evidence. And if there's sufficient evidence to say, okay, this person clearly beyond a shadow of a doubt committed this crime, then, you know, we're going to, the verdict is going to be guilty. And again, it's, it has a lot of, I mean, I, I realize there's a kind of a weird, um, I'm not, you're not, put, I'm not putting your business on trial. You're not putting your business on trial, but there is a relationship, the kind of gravity the sense of gravity around this decision is is very similar. So that's why I like using the word evidence. And I'm very big on you, person who is thinking about specializing, um, collecting as much evidence as you can. Now, you don't need to collect evidence for forever. It's not an open-ended process. It's not an open-ended process with no end in sight. It is instead a process that you of collecting evidence for a period of time until you reach that conclusion, that verdict. And the conclusion is, uh, I think for most people, the, the threshold we're looking to cross is like in a court case, it would be beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I think the, in a business situation, we can't get beyond a shadow of a doubt because there's an element of risk in, working for yourself. There's an element of risk in changing away from the status quo of your business towards something different. And you just cannot make that risk go away. So we're not getting, we're not trying to aim for beyond a shadow of a doubt or uh, beyond, you know, reasonable doubt or whatever it is in a criminal court proceeding. Instead, what we're looking for is confidence. And I know that that word is, is a sort of fuzzy word. There's not a, a very crisp, specific definition for it. But uh, and also, I realize it's a um, it's a word that maybe speaks more to the feelings th than logical thought. However, that's the word that I use with people. You're looking to gather enough evidence to create a sense of confidence that this would be a good way for you to specialize. You cannot eliminate all the risk. You can take, I think, a lot of the risk out of the process by focusing on gathering evidence. And, you know, what you gather by thinking of it as evidence is, it is data, it is stuff that you, you have a feeling of, like, this is reliable, this is not really influenced by 
my own feelings overly. It's not, you know, the data is not sort of uh, been tampered with or <laughs> dirtied or whatever, uh, you know, tainted evidence they, they talk about in a court trial. Like you're looking for evidence that would stand up in court, so to speak. So um, some of that evidence, you may be tempted to look at your own feelings about something and, and call that evidence. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to play that clip for you is, um, you know, in that moment when I recorded that, I was feeling terrible. And this idea that I have about creating a very structured um, sort of online program for people to help them move through this process of specializing, I think, you know, it could be a potentially fantastic idea or it could be the seed of a fantastic service offering. I mean, it, it just, it could be amazing. It could, could be incredible. But in that moment, my feeling about it was, well, this, it just sucks in about 50 different ways. And it's tempting to take that and admit it as evidence in the, you know, the symbolic trial in your mind when you're thinking about specializing. And I, I really want to caution you against that because I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here. Um, I, I wrote David C. Baker, who is uh, one of my sort of uh, personal heroes in this. Like he does work that is, um, there's a bit of a Venn diagram overlap between the work that he does and what I do. His focus, though, is is larger agencies and, and more so creative agencies rather than uh, dev shops. So there is not a complete overlap between what we do. Anyway, I, you know, I have a, a sort of occasional correspondence with David uh, because I super value his opinion and his perspective, and he has more experience doing this than I do. And I said, you know, uh, does imposter syndrome come up for your clients? And he said, yeah, occasionally. I'm kind of very much paraphrasing what he said here. But basically what he said is occasionally, but it actually – it's not super common because they tend to be bigger firms and they have more what he calls marketplace acceptance happening. So they have basically more validation, more feedback from paying clients that says, we value your expertise. And boy, does that really help with imposter syndrome. <laughs> now, in those moments when you're maybe not feeling your best and maybe you're hungry and cranky and you know doubting yourself a little bit, uh, even that marketplace acceptance may not be enough to quell or extinguish the imposter syndrome. But for the most part, when you have that momentum and that feeling of like, yes, there's validation, people find value in this, they're willing to pay for it, they seek it out, all those things do really help counterbalance uh, the imposter syndrome. So I say that to point out that when you have momentum – as some kind of specialist or some kind of, of company that is primarily selling your expertise, you don't have to deal with this stuff as much. But <laughs> my focus is not those companies. My focus is more the individual self-employed software developer or the very small company where you don't yet have that feedback from the marketplace that they value what you're doing. And what you have is a sense that 
yes, this might be a way to specialize and kind of break out of the generalist crab bucket. Or yes, this might be something that we've done in the past that we could repeat on a bigger scale and it would lead us to greater profitability by focusing on this one market vertical or this one type of problem or, or whatever it is. So um, again, that's why I'm almost 20 minutes into this episode, which I know for some people might just seem so self-involved for me to be talking about this stuff. But at the same time, I know that a, a substantial segment of the people who are out there c- considering specialization and um, and if you can just follow through on that on that impulse to do it and get over the hurdles and go through the process, and it's not a short process, it's not an easy process, but if you can do that, I am confident that you'll be one of those people who's making three hundred to a thousand dollars an hour effective hourly rate and making a you know really generous full time income doing part-time work. I mean, maybe you're like me, you're kind of thinking about your business almost all the time, but actual butt in the chair work time is essentially part-time. So I just know that it's an important, I think it's an important thing to talk about. I feel very confident, in fact, that it's an important thing to talk about. And I know that a lot of people, you can do this. So if you have those moments where you just are consumed with doubt, um, write it out because those are often not the best forms of evidence out there. The best form of evidence <clears throat> is somebody writing you a check for your and paying for pure ex, pure expertise applied to their problem. And I think you can get there, uh, but you do have to sort of be willing to tolerate these uh, these moments. <laughs> 